Welcome to a special episode of the Kids Media Club podcast. In today's show, we'll be selecting some of the key takeaways from our recent episodes on sports fandom, franchise versus originals, and fast channels. So, if you missed any of those episodes, consider this an amuse-bouche to whet your appetite. Whether you're a sports fan or a lover of all things franchise or just interested in the latest streaming trends, we've got you covered. So let's dive in. Something we discussed on the Kids Media podcast recently and indeed is being discussed in many other areas of the media industry at large was Fast Channels. We had Marianne Ranchet, a Fast expert, join us uh, on the podcast to discuss Fast for dummies, Fast at a basic level and how the opportunities for kids media folks uh, can manifest there. Um, so here's a clip with Marianne breaking it down to the basics, which actually I found really, really helpful. For somebody that just hadn't heard of Fast at all, um, what what actually is Fast? Yeah, free ad supported streaming TV, right? So the even the acronym. Um, so th- this term was actually coined by a, a US analyst, uh, Alan Volk. I think he regrets it now because it became this word where you know people put a lot of stuff, and he doesn't necessarily agree with uh, with the definition of uh, 2024. But anyhow, I think he did that at the time when he saw what. Were, what Pluto was doing, right? And, and and Pluto was started in 2014. So Fast, in a way, goes this long back to 2014. The startup at the time was looking to enter not the ESVOD uh, premium space, which they felt was, you know, uh, too crowded. And they took the angle of bringing free content to US audiences, right? And the setup is different than for us here, you know, on this side of the ocean where we do have a lot of free content. In the US, you know, at the time, not much was was free. You were, you know, paying insane amount of money every month to get access to a lot of channels that you were not necessarily uh, interested in. And when they started fast, these were, you know, mini channels. Uh, at the time, they looked more like playlists, right? So content stitched together and, and they really did with what they could get their, you know, hands on. So the content was, you know, pretty old, uh, not really, you know, premium, uh, super, you know, branded and everything. But that's how they got started. And as time went by, you know, they they garnered an audience and there was demand for it. And and this became this flywheel that brings us to to what Fast is today. So it's free, it's ad supported, right? So you don't have to pay for it as a user, but you agree to be served ads. And what I often say about any ad supported business, you know, uh, if you don't pay, you're the product. So the fact that we interact with uh, content, all of those things that brings in, you know, data. Uh, that can then be used uh, for the sale of, you know, that advertising inventory to, you know, brands and advertisers uh, in in the space. It is. Does that answer a question? Yeah, it's, it's definitely helps uh, this dummy um, <laughs> get a get more of a handle on what it is. And it, it's essentially like a linear experience, Marianne. Like you know that, that that's and that's maybe one of the differences with with the SVODs, right? Like that from a user perspective, you don't have to go, you, you pick your channel just like you do, like we've been doing for 50 years. You don't have to necessarily go and seek out a particular program unless you pick, a, you know, whatever channel that's based on a single IP. But like, you know, it's a, it's kind of a linear experience. 
from a user perspective. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and when you think of it, I don't think any of us ten years ago when you know SVOD was you know the king in town, the fact that we could choose to watch whatever we wanted whenever, at a at a set price, I think we thought this was it, you know, for our industry. I don't think anyone thought that linear would make a comeback. And um, it is making a comeback in the viewing experience uh, through fast, amongst uh, other things. And absolutely. And I think the timing is interesting. The fact that it really became something in 2020 with the pandemic it really goes hand in hand with this paradox of choice, right? So there's so much, you know, we're struggling to choose what to watch next. And in the end, you know, there's some comfort in allowing ourselves to trust someone to program and decide for ourselves. And so that's, I think that's what really, you know, jumpstarted fast. Uh, and, and today I wouldn't say that this will be the main way we consume content, content. But depending on, you know, uh, the time of the week, the time of the day, the state we're in, I think it's going to feed, you know, uh, one of those need states, right? I want to be entertained. And so maybe I want to watch something lighter. And then, no, I won't go to Netflix to watch the latest drama. But yes, maybe I will be watching, you know, uh, over and over again, uh, some factual content uh, on a fast platform. Yeah. And then I suppose another distinction that and that's factored into this is like, rather than like a commercial linear channel that, you know, like that's like ITV in the UK or TV3 in Ireland, um, you know, it's what's democratized this is the technology that it's able to be delivered through a cloud, you know, like it, you don't need to have, you don't need to pay for space on a satellite like channels used to do for many, many years, suddenly through the cloud and through the internet, um, we're able to, that, that ability to deliver linear channels has been, you know, it's been democratized, it's, it's available to, to far more people. Obviously, it's not as simple as, you know, starting a YouTube channel or whatever, maybe, maybe there, that will come, that time will come. But, you know, it's, and so, so the opportunity is, is just a lot more accessible to everyone. Whereas before, if you were starting a linear channel, it's like a big operation that only like a big company, like a Disney or a, or you know a Warner or a, yeah, yeah. or a Paramount would choose to do. Is that, I mean, is and, that and even and even and even the smaller players in that case. I mean, as I understand it, if you wanted to buy a channel on on Sky, um, it would cost you two hundred grand to to acquire the channel um, before you'd put any content on it. So um, so the barriers to entry of having a channel were were pretty high. Uh, and it feels like it's much more accessible to to people. We were delighted to have Nina Hahn as a guest on our podcast to chat about franchises versus originals. As a sought after media consultant and advisor, as well as a former vice president of Paramount Global Kids and Family, Nina has an unrivaled perspective on kids media. Here she is addressing the question of whether we were seeing franchise fatigue. I want to see, and I'm deciding I'm seeing, let's put it that way, franchise fatigue. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of both. Um, I think we're seeing it. Obviously, some of the behavior across the Star Wars and the MCU franchises is starting to show us that the numbers were fine. I mean, it's not like you certainly can't say they tanked because they didn't, but there's definitely a uh, 
an underwhelming performance as a result of the what we thought they would all do because they were a franchise. Um, you know, and I think it's setting in either directly related to the to the content released as which wasn't very good with respect to the franchise or the ask of the audience is so huge now, especially with MCU because there's just the, the, the giant universe that you've got to know about to really get it and, and buy in and feel compelled by it is so vast that really, you know, you'd rather a breath of fresh air from something original and a one-off that you can get and, and consume quickly. So I think the rose, the bloom is coming off the rose a bit and makes sense because we've got to get back to a balancing act between original and, and, um, and franchises. And I think the fatigue is definitely there and people really just kind of are getting tired of nothing ends, just nothing ever ends. Hello from Kids Green in San Diego. You can probably hear the hubbub in the background. Um, one of the clips that I enjoyed recently was from an episode where we spoke to Tom Bowers and Morris Wheeler about uh, the future of sports fandom amongst kids. Uh, we know from recent times that kids consumption patterns and behaviors have changed uh, that affects sport too uh, and tom in particular his company works with sporting brands to see how they can enhance uh, sporting events to appeal for, to younger demographics uh, and so here he is talking about how augmented reality and extended experiences for sporting events can really uh, breadcrumb kids towards sporting events and i found it really interesting so here's tom you, you know, it, it's it's a criticism of kids that it tends to be, oh, their attention spans have, have shortened and they're incapable of focusing and watching anything longer than 30 seconds now. And I, I don't necessarily agree because for those who really do get into something, they will watch hours and hours of it. So that, you know, might, might extend to a, a longer game. Although, yeah, I mean, again, it's a, a four-hour NFL game is... is you know, challenging for most people, particularly us Brits. Um, but in terms of, you know, there being a space where both exist, that that importance for, for gamifying kind of or making content interactive, how do you, in your world, Tom, how do you then kind of take that and do you help other platforms outside of broadcasters? How do you help them kind of take that and extend it onto other platforms? Well, I think I think the most important thing is to create some kind of heightened experience for the 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 target audience, the fan in general. Like something that we've learned across the years is, you know, you have to ask yourself, what's the point of doing this? Why why would you have some kind of interactive event? Why how is it going to appeal to the fan? Whether that's a, a televisual level or an in venue, like what give give the purpose and put put it in a term of why they would tune in to watch a certain thing that's happening on television or how they would do a certain thing on social media to affect something that's happening on television. And I think it's, it's really important to try and make sure that you're, if you've got children that are uh, on channels and they feel comfortable on those channels, what is the reason when you're talking to these brands to signpost them on those channels to see something cool and innovative that's on your main channel where, you know, you need to, bring some eyeballs to it's um you know it's got a lot of brand sponsorship in and around it which is which is essential to you know keep those guys part of 
the equation happy. Um, so if you can if you can give a, a justifiable reason as to why they should be going to that, and I'm not saying I think Morris is right. I don't think that children would watch a whole match if they've never watched it before. But if you can find that child Super Bowl halftime moment where you can go, this is going to happen at this point during the game. You'd, it's something brand new. You're going to love it. Advertised it to them in a certain way where they are going to get some kind of heightened experience to being exposed to it that their friends, they can go and tell their friends about and then share it on social media afterwards. I think that is the way to go about it. And through that process, if you do capture a few of them that want to stay longer and watch it more, then it then win-win. But I think because you're, you're just basically tapping into the ecosystem that's already there that makes sense that that individual, am I going to see something cool and innovative that I can say to my friends, like that, that water cooler moment that we all love from an experience perspective, it's about ex- explaining that to the brand of how you can get each part of that ecosystem working in the right way to attract new audiences as well as satisfy the new ones that are, the existing ones that have been there for years. So I think there are it, it's it's strategic. It's the way to sort of execute that that kind of strategy. Um, that's the way we've approached it to speak to these sports brands of like, you know, how can they use mixed reality on television, you know, to captivate different audiences and what is the point will it will it will it captivate a a a diehard fan that's been watching you know the premier league for 50 years but will it also appeal to someone new that's coming through the ranks that could potentially be a new viewer to the channel because all of a sudden it's relevant to them and even if they watch just an element of that on telly that's a win for them so it's it's really kind of using these new innovations to kind of almost um breadcrumb across the different channels and say which is work which is going to attract and which is going to cross pollinate and create those new innovation opportunities that may lead to different viewing behaviors well that's almost it for the kids media club podcast episode i'll leave you with this final clip from nina hahn talking about how when it comes to franchises there's a business question that needs to be answered but also a creative question as well and you know, I think the thing about franchise, and when I look at Disney particularly, I kind of think, you know, it worked until it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's also really interesting to hear you say that, Emily, because this I do ask myself, at any point, did those meetings that you were in and those decisions being made, did they say, okay, it's business critical that we do this in order to build the business and prepare for what we know is coming up ahead with the streaming business and the theatricals. But did anybody ever say there's a creative urgency to tell these stories, to retell these stories or tell these stories before they happened? And that is actually what's going to motivate our decision of whether or not we're going to push and support that franchise or not? Probably not. And that's the big fat missing link, which we're now hopefully starting to see crest. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this roundup of our key takeaways from the last few episodes of the Kids Media Club podcast. As ever, if you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing if you haven't already. And if you can leave us a star rating or review, that always helps. Until the next time, thanks for listening.